to a new episode of That's the Truth. Thank you for tuning in. It's great to have you back. I am Jay Gallegos, and I hope that our time together will encourage and inspire you. My goal is to help you get one step closer in your journey and further along in becoming who God has intended you to be, one step at a time, so you can be effective and make an impact in every area of your life. And well, I had an amazing conversation with Sister Lucy Pacheco. Most would know her as Sister P. It was truly an honor and privilege to have her on the podcast. She shares knowledge and wisdom and experience in different areas of ministry and leadership, as well as her own personal experiences and struggles, some that have helped her build her faith over time. She has been a pillar of faith for so many. She has loved, appreciated, and respected across so many churches throughout the world and means so much to so many people. And to me, I can't say enough about how significant her life is for me. That is a testimony of her life and her faithfulness to God and her calling. And Will, I want to invite you in, and it is a pleasure to invite you and have you sit in and be a part of our conversation with Sister P. Sister P, welcome to the podcast. It's so good to have you on. It is really an honor and a privilege to have you on this platform. Oh, thank you, Brother Jay. I'm so honored and I can't believe that this young man that once was with me in leadership now is an amazing man of God and that you're doing this ministry. I I commend you for it. Thank you so much. And your life has meant so much to me over the years. And especially early on when I began, I had no idea what I was doing, first of all. And <laughs> you were such a, a pivotal a person in, in my life that just kind of guided me through a, a time and a season where I really needed it. And um, and it just kind of helped me guide through that, that, that difficult season. But there's not very many people that I can come across now my age that don't know about Sister P. Sister P has done many, many, many great things for the kingdom and has impacted so many people. Thank you. Thank you. God has been good to me, uh, Brother Jay, and uh, everything that I've grown and I've been through, it's been for a purpose. And that's what I believe. Uh, God puts things in our paths, journeys that, uh, you know, we think because we live in in a Christian walk that everything's pretty and pink. No, we go through a lot of bushes, a lot of thorns, and those are the ones that make us and into a better person and a living testimony for others and uh, to follow. Yeah, absolutely. And um, being so close to you, and I know that we probably hadn't spoken in such a long time, but just looking back and reflecting back on your life and your ministry and what God has done through you, you know, you have worked closely with uh, young people and youth ministry and kids ministry and been so, so impactful in those areas for so many years. Uh, I, I can imagine the stories that you can tell and that you could share through those ministries and the experiences that you had uh, and have and are st- still currently working. What tends to be your favorite thoughts or memories when you think back on the early days, not so much like right now, but in the early days, what is a first thought or first memories that that you really cherish closely to your heart? And, and maybe tell us why. Uh, I came to start working with youth and children when I went through a, a divorce with my husband. My husband left my daughters and myself when they were five and 10. And during that time, you know, I realized that, hey, 
this walk is going to depend on me, on what my children are going to, uh, you know, persevere in the in the future, and the Christians that they will be is going to depend on me. So I didn't have a time to wallow in my pity party. I got on my feet and I started investing and making sure my children lived a Christian and a that they were steadfast in their walk. And that's when I started working, you know, in Sunday school and uh, and working with young people. Through the years, you know, working with young people, you know, I came to a school. My first job, I was without a job. I went to apply for a job. It was my first interview, my only interview. And, you know, I, I put down my, my, my requirements. Yes, I didn't have a job. I was homeless. I was homeless and I needed, you know, the pastor, Brother Rios and Brother Kilgore helped me pay an apartment so I can live with my girls. And I had to go find me a job three months later. That was in October and January. They told me, okay, in January, you know, I have to go find a job. I went to the school and then it was an at-risk school where I went to apply. And I told them I needed a job, but I don't work Friday. I don't work Saturday. I don't work Saturdays. I don't work Sundays. I don't work overtime. The principal principal looked at me and he thought this lady is crazy. But he looked at me and I saw a look in his face and he turned and he says, can you start tomorrow? Well, I retired from that school three years ago in 2019. And that's where I started working with at-risk youth. And I started seeing the need of working with young people. They were lost. They didn't have hope in their lives. And that's where I started working. And in my church with Brother Rio, Sister Rios told me, Sister Pacheco, I need you to work in Sunday school. I've always worked with the ladies. I had like 10 years working with the, with the women. And that was my passion was the women. We put together several conferences before conferences were even, yeah. you know, in the, in the Spanish ministry. Right. So then, you know, I started working in Sunday school because she threw me in Sunday school. I had no tolerance, no, I had zero burden for children. But Sister Rios told me, you need to work in Sunday school. I need you there. And I was obedient. So I followed Sister Rios, you know, decision of, of, you know, me going to work in Sunday school. And 35 years, 30 years later, uh, you know, I even reached, uh, I I was able to um, be a speaker at the National uh, Conference for uh, Sunday School in the English uh, area. And then in the Spanish ministry, I was a South Texas district Sunday school director for two years. And, uh, And, you know, for someone that did not have not even a mustard seed size ounce of burden. God has taken me to these big, you know, bigger places where I can impact more young people. What a tremendous, te- what a tremendous testimony that is. What were your yeah. initial thoughts back then when you got thrown into the fire like that and just, <laughs> you know, just serving by obedience and just kind of serving, yeah. you know, your, your pastor's lead there? See, what happens a lot of times, this is what I I see things happen in my years of experience. When pastors call me and they ask me, I need help in Sunday school. There are people sitting in your pews, in your congregation, that have all these gifts and talents. But because they're insecure, 
they're hurt, they're going through a lack of commitment. Uh, oh, I don't want to work with kids. Oh, I don't want to deal with youth. They, they got so many problems. They got so many attitudes. But see, I've learned through the years, and now being at Brother Gurley's church, it's all about others. Right. If we stop thinking about our pity party, our, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I can't do this. Yes, the word of God says, and you shall receive power right. after the Holy Ghost has come. So you have the power to do anything in your life. What I, I believe is people don't know how to connect to their passion. And once you connect to that passion, that passion is going to make you do things you never in the world imagined you would ever be doing. And that's what I feel is what's happening, that people don't tap in into that. And we need to remember it's God called us for others. Yeah. And that's been my heartbeat. And that has been transmitted to my children and my grandchildren. But, uh, you know, in working at the school, you know, I saw a lot of things. I saw a young man playing Russian roulette blow his brains out. Oh, my. And I went to Ben Topkis, his little gang clique, you know, asked me if I would go pray for him. Now, these kids in school hated me because I was very firm and very stern. Yeah. And that, you know, you have to follow the school rules. So what they called me a hater. But yeah. when that situation happened, they called me, can you go pray for my friend? Mm. And when I went to pray for that young man, his eye was hanging out his skull and his skull was so huge. Jeez. I didn't even know where to pray for him. But God lifted that young man up and he started going to Life Tabernacle. And then he moved on to another church and he lived when he had. Even, you know, his brains were blown away, part of them. Wow. But, you know, and I was able to see those testimonies. But, um, you know, working with young people, you asked uh, what moment uh, re I remember. Uh, and I was working with the youth. I was the youth director. And it was funny because, you know, I've been a single mom. I was like in my 40s. And the youth voted me in to be the youth pastor. Okay. And I told the pastor, I said, no, I don't like that title. I'll be the youth director because okay. I like to direct their ideas. It's not my ideas. And that's where a lot of times our young people need help because you're the leader and it's my way or the highway. No, no, no. Mm. You've got to tap into the creativity and to the ideas of your young people. They got to own your department, not that they are going to do whatever they want. No, no, no. But value their opinions, value their creativity, value their vision. And when you tap into that, that empowers them. And that's what I did. And I remember we were going to Cleveland. They wanted to go camping. Yeah. And I told them, I said, OK, but sister, we need to make it rough. We're going to go during the nighttime. We're going to go camp out. I've never been camping. So there I go. I had about 100 kids, I think, back then. Okay. And only 13, Brother Jay, at the last minute, wanted to go. And I was like, what? Only 13 signed up? And, you know, most leaders say, oh, forget it. Let's just quit. And I said, oh, no. 
the kids were like, sister, are we going to cancel? I said, no, we're going. And we went to Cleveland. When we got there, it was late. The, the, the place was closed. And I'm like, oh, my God, I got these 13 kids. And the kids said, let's stay overnight at Walmart. Yeah, that's a and great idea. Walmart, <laughs> you find a lot of Pentecostals. There was a pastor that was in Tarkington in about 13 miles from, from where we were. And he allowed us to go camp at his uh, his camp in his uh, outside the church. And brother, well, it was his wife. He was out of town. So in the morning we got up, we, we spent the night actually praying in the church, in mm. his church. Yeah. We had an all-night prayer. From there, we went to the campground the next morning. The pastor and his son came looking for us. And when he got, when he got there, God led him to where we were because there was a lot of people camping. And he came and he said, Sister Pacheco, he says, are you Sister Pacheco? I go, yes. He goes, there was a cloud over my church when we walked in there mm. to go look for y'all. Wow. But no one was there. And we knew you were going to the camp, to this campground. So he came looking for us. And he told me there was a cloud in his church by the prayers we prayed in his church. Oh. So he invited us to come back. We came back. We told Brother Kilgore, because Brother Kilgore was being our pastor. at during Right. And when Brother Kilgore said, Sister Pacheco, I want you to bring these kids to Life Tabernacle, because I'm going to be there Sunday night. And I want them to come and I want them to pray for me in front of the whole church. So I brought in the group of young people, the all the young people that, that came. Yeah. And we prayed for Brother Kilgore. And the whole Life Tabernacle Church was testimony, was there. And they were just leaving. They all came back. Wow. And that was the most amazing moment in my life because those kids were able to lay hands on Pastor Kilgore. And when they laid hands on Brother Kilgore, he fell to the floor weeping and crying. Wow. And kids were so impacted. Now they're married. Now they have children. And when we think about these things, they one of them says, I told my son what I did as a young person. And to me, that's... Wow. You know, that is yeah. the most amazing thing that you can leave something in a child's heart yeah. that empowers him and say, I laid hands on Bishop Kilgore. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's that's one of the uh, things that I love about, you know, uh, having awesome moments that these young people can go back. And there's many. I have a lot of yeah. young ministers that are preachers. Brother, Sister Burnett. Yeah. She's a national leader. I won right. her to the Lord. Wow. I yeah. Did, I and did she not know that. in a backslide. She was not wanting to come to church and I went <laughs> after her. <laughs> yeah, that's tremendous. And there's so, so many memories, so many experiences, and so many ways that, have, that God has really, really revealed himself to you. And something that you mentioned that really stands out to me that is important. And and I want to highlight for our yes. audience and, and something that that will really help us grow in our ministry. And you mentioned that it's not about us and it's about others. And you yes. also mentioned how to tap into the creativity of others and putting your ideas to the side, um, all of your uh, I guess your initial agenda to the side and seeing what they could bring to the table and how that empowerment 
don't you agree that 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 is what really uh, propels the ministry to grow further and maybe sturdier than what we could do on our own? Exactly, because the Bible says, you know, I can't quote it right about between English and the Spanish, I get all confused. It's okay. But it says that, you know, your student, uh, it should be greater than the teacher. So to me, when I see a, a young person flourish and do it better than I could do it, it's like, yes, she's taking it to the other level. That's what it's yeah. about. Yeah, that should be the ultimate goal, right? Because it's not yes, about what we could it. do. And and I've I've always said this and I've mentioned this before with, with other guests. And um, uh, I've always mentioned this also to our team at the church and how we can possibly be the lid to yeah. the, the group that we lead. And that's not the goal. The goal is to really maximize and to grow it as much as possible and seeing what God, the next level that God can take it to along with the participation and empowerment of, of others, right? Yes, definitely, definitely. And that has been the key everywhere that I go and I teach and I talk to people, you know, I'll always tell them, you know, the the treasure is sitting right there in the middle of your of your pew. Mm -hmm. And sometimes what it is that you don't know how to connect. Yeah. You don't know how to connect. And and it, it saddens me at times because sometimes in our in our churches, in our especially in our Hispanic churches, you know, we tend to be very timid and shy. So, you know, when you come into a church, the visitor comes in, you know, the saints, they all, you know, we kind of have our cliques even in our church. Yeah. You know, we have our little cliques, our little circle of friends, and we don't open that circle. So our visitors come in and they sit and they're looking around. They've never been to perhaps a, a Holy Ghost filled church, a Pentecostal church, right. and they don't know friends, you know, and altar call, you know, comes pastor preaches and everybody raids the altar and we forget the souls in the pews. Mm. Yeah. We forget about it and we're over there boohooing and crying. Yeah. But what about the souls in the peace? How can we, how can so, we, yeah, I, I just wanted to ask you about that a little more and, you know, take us a little in depth, if you would. How can we connect okay. better with that? You know, um, in our first church with Brother Rios, Brother Rios was soul winning church, soul winning. It was soul winning all the time is, oh, soul winning. He would have little cards get uh, uh, contactos constantes, right. and it was like a little bit, like a little card, and we would carry them with us, and we would pass them out to people, and we'd have them. What's your name and what's your address and la da da. Nowadays, people tend to maybe not do that as much, you know, or hesitant to give you information. But back then, I mean, we used to run out of Xerox boxes uh, full of paper that were mm. cut and and given out. Yeah. But what I've seen now that I've transferred or I've transitioned to Brother Gurley's church, you know, uh, it was very different for me the first time I stepped into Pierland, right. into First Church, okay. because when I walked in, Spanish works, you know, people get to church, we start praying, everybody's kind of like, you know, you come into the church, reverence, pray, pray, pray. Brother Gurley, we come in, everybody's connecting visiting, talking, and I'm like, this is kind of strange, yeah. you know, yeah. but they have their prayer rooms, and Brother Gurley emphasizes in 
we've got to make people feel welcome. First impressions, brother, first impressions are vital. Right. First impression is the hook, line, and sinker for the visitor to come in. Absolutely. If you're going to walk into a church and nobody even looks at you or smiles at you, I'm telling you, when I walked into First Church, everybody was, hey, how are you? God bless you, this and that. So everybody mingling, connecting. And that's the focus and the key. You know, Brother Gurley, he preaches short, strong. Oh, my God. Rich, altar call. Yeah. Altar. That is the most important time. And everybody goes to the altar praying and talking and fellowshipping afterwards. But that's what I've learned is connecting. Yeah. I went to a wedding a uh, day before yesterday. At, uh, at another church I attended. Okay. And I went in. I'm the visitor. Okay. This right. new couple that was in towards the back. You know, I walked in. I went to them and I said, hey, how are you? Are you a member of this church? Oh, yeah, I've been here several months. And we started talking. And then we started talking about this same subject, connecting. Right. And I told them, I said, did you notice? I came in. I'm the visitor. But I approached you. And she goes, yes, sister, we need to get that mentality. And I said, because really, you two should have come to me to connect with me because you don't know me. But I came to you. That's what I've learned. So so I gave them a, a lesson by example. <laughs> yeah, and, I made the, and we became very good friends that same night. Yeah. Have we lost that, Sister P? That just freedom to connect yeah. and just... Yeah. Do you feel we've lost that? Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Definitely. And I keep posting, you know, and even in, in Brother Gurley's church, you know, we have our own uh, uh, page. So I always encourage, I always uh, put people, you know, open your circle of friends, open your circle of friends. And I've never, in, all, in the churches I've been to, that I've belonged to, I have never had my click. I never sit with the same person every time. Mm. Yeah. You know, you've got to connect. You've got to meet. Children have the most amazing stories. Yeah, absolutely. Connecting with children, connecting with young people. I have people in New York. I have people in Florida. I have people in Atlanta, young people yeah. that I sometimes wonder, why is this young person calling me? Okay. You know, I had a pastor's son one time and it was going to Costa Rica for a, for a trip, for a missionary trip. Okay. And he was having to do a Sunday school. This young man was a CTM student. Okay. He called me. We spent a couple of days just preparing his Sunday school uh, training material because mm. he was going to Costa Rica. And we become good friends. So, you know, I, I might be 65. But I have a in a, in a North Carolina. We went to do a brother Nathaniel Urshan has some Spanish work, okay. and there was a little boy, little Nate. He was like seven, and he was running all over the church in his bunker, telling, "Sit down, sit down." He was, she was singing the praise team. We were there early, so Nate passed by me, and I go, "Nate, come here." And I said, "Is that your mom?" "Yes." He says, "What did she say for me not to run?" I said, "Well, Nate, you're running." He goes, "No, I'm not. I'm walking fast." <laughs> and I said, you know, I started talking to him. Well, 
that was the first day we got there. We were there three days. Nate never stopped coming to sit next to me. And to this day, that's been about a year. Nate calls me for Mother's Day. Nate calls me randomly. Uh-huh. He FaceTimes me. Yeah. And 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 he says that he's seven. He says, Sister Pacheco, I'm going to go to Houston when I'm 18. Will you be alive? <laughs> I go, Nate, I sure hope so. She goes, well, you better be because I need to go visit you. You're my friend. Wow. And he, we, he calls me. <laughs> now, why would a seven, eight-year-old little boy by now Keep mm. calling a 65-year-old lady that's all the way to Houston that's amazing. just to chit-chat with her. Yeah, that's the power of connection, isn't it? You've been able to reach yeah. women that are older, younger. You've been able to reach young kids, um, yes. young young adults, uh, all ages. And you've been able, just the power of connection. And you've really understood and really implemented that. How do we multiply that to our churches now? How can we teach that? And, and how do we just grasp that and really apply it really being an example first reaching when you talk to to someone one-on-one you know sometimes our kids even in puppet ministry you know that's where we started with kids with puppet ministry puppet ministry uh you know you reach those shy kids the ones that sit by mom hide behind mom's skirt even young people. And this is what I found when we started our puppet team in uh, Mundo Pentecostal. Mm -hmm. There were four young people, young people, okay, that never really uh, spoke to anybody, very shy. So one day I walked into the church and I went, sat to this young lady. And I said, you know, I've been looking at, I've been watching you. And I said, I know you know my name. I know your sister, but but you know what? I would love for you to come work in Sunday school in, in the puppet team. And she kind of looked at me and she kind of was squirming. And I looked at her. I said, you're going to be behind the curtain. Nobody's ever going to know who you are. Nobody's going to know. Brother Jay, this young lady, the personality she desired to be, she transmitted it to her puppet. Wow. And that puppet was um, even when we pulled her out one time, Brother Bendisala uh, said, can we see who the puppet team is? So the kids walked out with their puppet. And everybody was like, oh, my God, I can't believe those those kids were, were that personality. Wow, that's great. And that's what it is. You, you get them out of that shell, get them out of that shyness, believing in them. There's a book I've given out to so many young people, okay. and it's a short little John Maxwell, Running with the Giants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That little book, I know I've bought like 20. I've given them to so many young people. And that book, I've got even has given me a kid's church, a kid's program, and even a young people with that theme in mind. and. I have I have created a conference. It hasn't come to pass. And maybe I'm not going to get to see it. But I believe what God has always given me. Maybe it's not at my time that I want it right then and there. I've had no's. You can't do that. I said, okay. I never get grudge, grudgy feeling. I said, Lord, it's not the time. Okay. 
But the times that they've come to be, the power of God and the Holy Ghost has moved miraculously in a phenomenal way. Yeah. So I've learned to be patient because it's in God's time, not on my time. Yeah. And that's that's um a key that is very, very important to our growth. And that would be just yes. simply patient. And the Bible clearly states in James, I love I love the book of James, mm-hmm. and in chapter one, it says, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing yes. of our faith produces patience. So it's the testing of our faith that produces the yeah. patience. So producing yeah. patience from testing yeah. our faith, it requires yeah. time. Like you can't have patience unless you're waiting for something. It has to exactly. take time. And yeah. it seems as if it's a struggle for most of us. Some would yeah. even say, why would a loving God allow this to happen? Or so many questions can happen in, in the middle of yeah. a waiting period. How yeah. has God produced patience in your life? Would you care to share oh. that with us? <laughs> oh, my God. You know, you when you open up that scripture, it says joy. And what was the first couple of words? Uh, count it all joy. Count it all joy. What else? When you fall into various trials. When you fall into various trials. It's through that, the joy. When my husband left, I remember I had taken my kids to school. I came back to unload, uh, to fold up the dryer clothes, put the clothes in the drawer for my husband's. And when I opened the drawer, they were gone. Everything his closet was gone. Everything mm-hmm. was gone. And I fell to the floor in panic and fear and cried out. I ran to the bathroom because I had been, you know, I had been crying and crying and crying. When I went to the bathroom and I washed my face, my name is Lucia, which is the root word from loose, a light. And uh, everybody always would say, your eyes are always bright, so shiny, so full of life and the joy and well, when I saw my eyes in the mirror after I washed my face, I had seen my my eyes had gone dim. And when I saw that at that moment, I realized what was happening. And I cried out, Jay, I screamed so loud. And I cried out to God, don't take the joy of the Lord away from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can take my husband away, but do not take the joy of the Lord. Yeah. And at that moment, God allowed me to see my eyes light up again. And I got up from there and I said, Lord, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Yeah. That's been 35 years ago. Yeah. My daughters are serving God or in ministry. Vicky. Oh, my God, Vicky has done, wow, she's left me behind, way behind. Her ministry is phenomenal. My yeah, grandson, yeah. CJ, mm-hmm. 20 years old, a drummer, with playing right now. He's with Vicky because they're playing at the district event this weekend. Yeah, yeah, we're going to see them there. So, so grounded. Timothy, also 14, working as a, a junior dream team at, at the church. He even told me one time, I said, Timothy, you need to come help me because we're helping the church in Baytown. I said, Timothy, you need to come. Grandma, you did your ministry. Now I'm doing mine. Oh. So, Grandma, 
Leave my ministry alone. I have responsibilities. And I looked at him okay. like it was okay. tickle pink. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Yes. And they even told me, Grandma, you need to talk to, you know, because sometimes they're like, you know, they're like, okay, our, our youth needs a little bit more help. And they were like, Grandma, you should go talk to them. Mm. You know, to me, that's like, oh, they they liked my ministry because yeah. they worked under my ministry. Right. I took CJ to Puerto Rico when we went to do our kids' camp in Puerto Rico with the puppy team. We had five team members who would okay. be able to go. Yeah. So I took my grandson, CJ, who was back then like 12. And I said, CJ, you're coming with me because you're going to help. Putting him in the, you know, you got to bring him to, to, you know, in the upfront, in the front line. You need to come and learn at a young age. Yeah. You know, burden for souls for, you know, you're no special. You God called you to be a minister of God, even at a little age. And now he's a soul winner. Mm. CJ is a soul winner. Yeah, that's great. And I love how you've been able to transmit your ministry, your passion, your leadership to not only the church, which is important, but even more so and deeper than that is your own kids and now your grandkids. Talk to yeah. me about how, how you feel whenever you see them serving and you're watching them from, from the pew or wherever you may be and, you're, and they're traveling in different locations and being used in this conference or that service and they're doing this and that. And, but not only in the church also, like they're also impacting people outside of the church, right? Yes, yes, definitely. And it is amazing. Uh, right now, I am so blown away. I'm awesomeized. I'm mesmerized. There's no word that can express what I'm feeling for what God is doing in Vicky's life. You know, she went to Bolivia. Uh, Brother Sam has taken her to London to do the on the Familias. Yeah. He wanted her to go to Puerto Rico, but she can't because she's starting her internship, uh, six month internship to, mm. oh, finally get her master's degree in music therapy. You know, and, but uh, Sister May, who's another pastor's wife that I went to the Lord, it's in Memphis, and they have a phenomenal thriving church of about 800 in attendance. And they go out and they take a lot of youth to places. Sister uh, Brother May asked Vicky that they wanted her to go to Lebanon to wow. go train the music department in Lebanon. But because of this six month situation, she can't, but she's they wanted her to go the next year. Yeah. They want her to go to Honduras as well. So I'm just seeing all these great opportunities opening up for her. And it just, you know, and and at times I'll be honest with you. I remember Brother Rios, my first pastor, sometimes yeah. women tend to kind of idolize their kids at times. Oh, my pretty little princess. Oh, my pretty, my little prince. And, and they want to show off their kids. I show them off for the glory of God, not to to say how pretty. Oh, my little, I've never told my kids. And this is my pet peeve. I'm going to tell everybody right now. People yeah. who are listening, my pet peeve is people, young moms, parents, they think, my princess, my princess. At the school I, I went to, the two top kids with problems, discipline, everything, attitudes, more write-ups, their names were Princess and Princesa. Wow. I'm not kidding you. Mm. That was their names. I always referred to my children since they were born, the handmaidens of the Lord's. Wow. La Sierva del Señor. Yeah. 
la sierva del Señor. Bueno, babies born always remember. Oh, qué hermoso siervo del Señor. Qué hermosa sierva. Because you are speaking life into that child that they're going to be servants of the Lord. Yeah. But if you talk to them about princes, they're always very self-centered. Oh, I deserve the best. Mm. No, you don't. The best life is leaving, uh, leading others to Christ. And that's what we're about. Yeah. But to me, you know, I'll always, you'll see in my, in my Facebook page, I always talk about my kids. I'll always share. Vicky's 35 and she's sometimes, hi, mom. Quit being a mom. <laughs> I said, no, Vicky, you know what? It's not about that. People need to know what potential each child has. And one time, Brother Rios would say, don't idolize your kids. Don't idolize them. You know, and one time the enemy started attacking me. You're idolizing Vicky. Mm. And at that moment, the voice of God spoke to me. And he says, no, you're my vessel keeper. You're the keeper of my vessel. That vessel is useful for me. And you as the mom, you need to make sure that vessel is in tip-top shape. Right. That everything that goes in that vessel is clear and pure, and that way I can use of her. Yeah. So now when that enemy wants to talk to me, I said, no, I am the keeper of the vessels. My grandchildren are my little vessels. Yeah. And when I see them, that God moves and God uses them. Brother Jay, from where I'm sitting at the pew, I look up and I rededicate him to the Lord. Mm. I said, Lord, I rededicate her for your service. I rededicate my kids, my grandkids to your service. Yeah. And even Sister Gurley, Sister Gurley and Vicky are like so good friends. And Vicky tells me, she says, Mom, Sister Gurley and I have a common language and it's music. And Sister Gurley speaks to Vicky and texts her. And they, they're this very, and I'm so happy for that because I see that connection. And I love that about their relationship. Yeah. Do you feel that since we're talking about kids, I have now two little ones of my own. I have a 10 year old and uh, the little one just turned five here recently. Um, so I don't have the girl just yet, but have mm -hmm. you seen a difference in the way that we raise, uh, our children? Because you, you, you mentioned that you're a single mother for many, many years. And that's something that I relate to. And I saw my mom, you know, work and take us to church and do all those things on her own. I saw, so I saw her carry that. So I relate to that. And I, I can picture a lot of what you've been through with that. But my question is, do you see maybe mothers, raising their children um, or maybe raising the daughter different than the young man, maybe raising the daughter to be tougher or maybe spoiling the son or vice versa? Yes, I've seen uh, and working in the school as well. In the school, I worked with uh, truancy, uh, working with kids that didn't go to school. And to be honest, Brother Jay, the kids have taken over the control of the home. They know how to manipulate. And parents at times are so busy, they're so tired. And sometimes we're so get so wrapped up in our church 
I'm not saying don't get involved in the church. Yes, yes. I mean, we I've never stopped up till right now. Yeah. You know, we're constantly working. But one thing that I told the Lord that I spoke and I, I prayed to the Lord, I said, okay, the enemy came and he took away the head of our household, but I'm not going to let anything else be taken away. I will serve you. I will be there for you. But my time with my children is very important. And at times, you know, being that, that I was left alone, I, there was a lot of guilt. Oh, I got to give this to my daughter. Oh, I got to. And the Lord spoke to me, and says, no. You do not give everything, every little whim. You need to teach them to understand that you're under a budget, that if that's the only thing they can afford, that's what they, and thank God, says, uh, Brother Jay, my yeah. girls have never been mm-hmm. into, I want the best of the best. Yeah, They've worked for what they've wanted. And even right now, Vicky, with her master's, you know, the masters, either you get a scholarship, there's no financial aid or loans. She's paid off her. This is going to be her third year through her piano and her voice lessons and going out in ministry. You know, we never charge. We say whatever the good Lord puts in your heart to to give us, that's what we'll take. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, and, and the, 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 you know, the degree is very expensive. Yeah. And to this day, not a penny has been, on the loan. Wow. It's all been paid for. That's tremendous. And the pandemic was hard because a lot of people had to shut down and come in and take their classes. But God has always provided another student to fill that space of the one that dropped out. Yeah. But I think parents tend to, you know, give in to the whim. I think it's very important that you establish a time for your family. Yeah. For your family, time at home. Yes, you're busy. And one thing that even when my husband, he was a very good husband, and we were the assistant ministers of the church, but he would tell the congregation, the the people, the members of the church, after eight o'clock, we don't accept phone calls. Unless it's an emergency, emergency, yes. But, you know, my family, after eight o'clock, it's our family time. And members of the church, if you need something the next day, I'll be glad to do it. Now, if it's an emergency, yes, we're there. But having a boundary for your family yeah, and having a time to share with your child and especially the fathers to, to the young boys, it is so important. That's what I love about my, grand, my son-in-law with CJ and Timothy. You know, he went on a trip. They went to uh, snowboarding in Colorado, just him and the boys, you know, and the time with them. And he says, no, I don't leave my boys behind. Yeah. You know, and CJ's 20 and Timothy's 14. That's such a fine line, isn't it? Being involved in ministry and being involved with people and having so many people have access to you and your phone number and text messages and having to be available and the pressure to be available. But you also have to be available and present in the moment because you could probably testify to this as well, that we can be in the moment with our family, but mentally, emotionally, you're not present. Physically, you're there, but you're not there. And I'm guilty of that, Sister P, at times Mm -hmm. because I have you know, so many different things going on in my head. You know, you got work, you got church, you got, you know, this ministry and that ministry. And, you know, being present with the kids is so important. And that's something that I'm still learning through and I'm still trying to define, you know, how can we do that better? And and how important is that? 
oh gosh, like I said, just taking the time, okay, establishing a time. And not only with your children, but with your wife, okay? Because your wife needs you. Your wife needs the assurance that you're there, that you love her. You love the children. You're going to spend time with the children. But if you and your wife don't have that connection, yeah, you know, and my husband and I did, and the, we were the role model couple, but there was something deep, things that happened in your younger days, yeah. you know, traumas that happened in your younger days that eventually will flourish. And when you're under, under a lot of stress and a lot of situations, those things might perk up again because your spiritual life is a little on the low side that that's where your flesh is weak and these things and thoughts might come back. A lot of the situations that happen in life are because traumas from your childhood. And that's what happened with my husband. He had this thing in his heart. And when all this, you know, he was being a father, he was going a full-time student at Texas Bible College. He was pastoring the church at Tabernacle because Brother Rios went to Puerto Rico for six months. So it was a lot on him. And it was during that time, the enemy got him on a low point and this flourished up and it happened. But our relationship, even when we went to court, that he took me to court, that we were getting the divorce, the judge asked me, he goes, how was he as a father? And I told him in front of him and, you know, the other woman that he's living with, you know, and I told the judge, I said, he was an excellent father. And he was shocked that I said that. The judge and my husband, I could see his face look at me. And he was like, what? Yes. I wasn't going to lie. I told the judge he was an excellent father. And he was, Brother Jay. But the enemy got him in a low point. And what does it say? Uh, Catharized his mind. Yeah. And even my children to this day says, Mom, I don't, I love my dad, but I don't miss him because I don't know what to miss because he's been gone on our lives. Yeah. And he, Lives in Houston, but we've never seen each other. And I prayed and I said, Lord, you are going to make that day that we run into each other, it's going to be on your perfect day. It hasn't happened. Right. And he lives here in Houston. (laughs) That's tremendous. There's so many things that I want to ask you right now. And so many things come to mind, but one that I feel is very important right now. And I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you about the importance of and the significance of passing down the mantle because there are so many things that we would all like to undo and or maybe mm-hmm. continue doing, referring to the good things. Yeah. You know, we want to continue doing that and yeah. that impact our next generation. And and I see you doing that so well, not only in the churches, but with your family and carrying that load for so many years alone. And explain the significance and the power of passing down the mantle through generations. Okay. Uh, Passing the mantle, first of all, your mantle, you need to make sure what your your heart is, where your heart is. And a lot of times, unforgiveness is going to be a mantle that is going to be blemished. And that mantle is going to carry traits of that unforgiveness. 
and that bitterness and that and that's something that you need to first of all do an inner search cleanse everything out and that is key factor and I was able to do that from the very beginning when I said Lord you know everything works for good for those I'm in your purpose Lord give me a pure heart and way back then Marcos had a song called Purificame I used to sing that 24 yeah. 7. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the I younger generation, <laughs> a lot of the younger ones might not know what that was. Yes. <laughs> and I thank that, brother, until it, my heart was completely pure. But the mantle, you know, even uh, the blessing, giving yeah. the blessing. Yeah. And I remember my mom, Catolica, Catholic. You know, she died Catholic. She saw the oneness. She saw the truth. But she said, no, yo, mamá, di católica, mija. Mm. And I said, okay, oh, my God. And she did. She did, brother. But she always pushed me to do the God's work. She came to live with me in her last two, three years of living. She came to live with me. And she would, every time I would go, I said, Grandma, are you going to be? I would call her Grandma. Do you feel okay? Are you going to be okay? Vaya, mija, go and do God's work. Why don't you live in Eagle Pass? Uh, this is where her house is. She goes, go can live in, in Eagle Pass and be a pastor in Eagle Pass. I go, mom, it's not just being a pastor, yeah. being a pastor. And she goes, no, no. But anyway, my mom would always, you know, in, in the Spanish churches, uh, on the Spanish homes, la bendición, bendición, mija, que Dios te bendiga, every time. And one day I was looking at the book, The Blessing, and it came to me and I said, you know what? I need to give the blessing on my children. Yeah. And I remember I did a ritual here in my house. Not a ritual. I did a devotional. And I knelt my two daughters. And they were like in their teenager years. And I did, I laid hands on them. And I gave them the blessing. Mm. And that mantle. And it, when I would go as a young, a single mom, you know, I would go to conferences. I went to Mexico. I went all these conferences. Sister Draw, Sister Hopkins, Sister uh, Tenney, Sister Mangum, Sister uh, Nona Freeman, missionary, yeah. Sister Tecla Marion. All these amazing women that I would go. I would take my daughters with me. And I would go and I would have them lay hands on them. And I would have them lay hands on them. Can you pray for my daughter? Can you pray for my daughter? And I believe on the laying of hands. And I believe that's been also the secret of the walk of my girls. See, we've forgotten to, not that we idolize them, JJ, but we need to point out, like you with your children, oh, look at Brother Gurley. Oh, look at Brother McClain. Look at Brother Glass. Look at your pastor. Look at Brother Jimenez. Look at Brother Alfred Torres. Look at Brother Mendizaban. We need to direct them to these men of God that can show them an example. Right. And that's what I did with my daughters. And it was amazing because when Vicky went to AM, she was going to Brother Castleberry's church there. And they went to the women's conference in Lufkin. And Vicky was with a group of girls, you know, and uh, it was the English uh, conference. And Sister Nona Freeman, when she was still alive, was walking. And Vicky goes, oh, my 
my God, Sister Nona Freeman. And all the girls said, who is she? And Mickey's like, what? Y'all don't know who she is? Like, no. She was missionary to Africa. And la da da Vicky started oh. telling them. And Vicky calls, she goes, Mom, I can't believe they didn't know who Sister Nona Freeman was. Hmm. And I'm like, I'm thankful, JJ, that I showed them these women. I prayed with Sister Wanda Dross in her living room when I went to the conference in Mexico with Sister Rios, oh. Sister Gloria Campos, and Sister Claudia Perez. Yeah. We stayed at her house. And I had the privilege. I came down for prayer in the living room. She joined me. I got there first and she joined me. And I was like, I was praying and I heard somebody else pray. And I'm like, oh my God, Sister Wanda draws this. I'm praying in her house with Sister Wanda. I was like, oh, I couldn't even pray. I was just like, (laughs) you know, just listening to her and grasping everything she was saying. And I was like, wow. And I wasn't a minister's wife. Sister Rios took me. And I felt like, why am I here? See, sometimes God puts you in places. And you figure, why am I here? But you ask God, why am I here, Lord? What can I learn from this? What can I take from this and share forward? But sometimes we just share for us and we don't share it forward. And that's where we. That's where we 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 miss out on a lot. Yeah, I think that's such an important question. You know, what can I take from this? And that can be an experience. That can be an encounter, a, a, a relationship yes. with someone. What can I take from this? And not necessarily looking at it from the view of, you know, look at how much this is hurting me or how much this is affecting or costing me. But the more important yes. question, what can I take and what can I learn from that? Thank you for being so transparent with everything you're sharing with me and, and, and being very, oh. very open. And being just a, a, a very open book. And that, mm-hmm. that's, I think that's a testimony to your leadership and, and how mm-hmm. you've been able to impact so many people. But something that I wanted to ask you as well, and something mm-hmm. that has been on my mind for, for a very long time, and something that I, I, I feel I have the burden for, uh, I've seen a disconnection between a specific age group, maybe, maybe not exact, but somewhere in between the ages of 18 to 30. And there's been yes. a, a spiritual disconnection there in our churches. And, and it's not difficult to see whenever you step into a church and you see where the, the kids are, you see where the, 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 the adults are, you see where the young people are, but there's mm-hmm. certain personalities and there's certain age groups that are just probably probably diminishing and across the board in our churches, maybe it's the thinner crowd, the ages between 18 and 30 and not, not every church, right. But probably the most common, what, what do you think the cause for that spiritual disconnection is, or what could we do different there? Oh my goodness. Right now, you know, we see it a lot, uh, social media, social media, our smartphones are all this uh, technology. Uh, people are so into their phones, into their social media, and they they are becoming very uh, awkward, antisocial. They don't know how to connect. They don't know how to talk because it's all now silent, you know, texting, texting, texting. Yeah. We don't hear voices. But there's not that connection. And that's where it's 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 um it's it's 
we're we're creating this new generation that doesn't know how to how to connect or how to speak and i see that uh, in in churches and and right now there's a church that i've been uh visiting and i see the young people uh you know a lot of people also uh, they're doing homeschooling and and i agree okay they don't want to be uh, out with other uh worldly kids or they don't like what they're teaching in schools but you know, I'm not against uh, homeschooling, but I noticed that a lot of young people don't know how to connect yeah. and they don't know how to be friendly with each other. In Sunday school, you know, when I was working in Sunday school, uh, I stopped working. I do a lot of training. Uh, my health has been a little bit up and down, you know. But uh, what I do notice is that, you know, um, kids, like I said, spend so much time, even little ones, even babies, they know how to work the iPhones yes. better than I do, you know, but <laughs> yeah, that's, that's scary because I, there's this young man that I really have a burden for. He's very shy. And I go up to him and I talk to him and what are you doing? Oh, fine. Or what are you studying? Uh, this? What are you? And, you know, in this last three days, I ran into three high school students okay. that are graduating. And I asked them, okay, what's up? What, what's the next step? Oh, I want to be this. Okay, but I'm going to do this. I want to, uh, and I'm just getting a certificate on this, and then I'm going to follow on this degree. I said, why are you doing that? You're wasting money mm. on classes that are not going to be transferred yeah. to a degree in that area. So you're spending two two years of this, spending money, when you could just go directly to the degree that you want to. And this is where I think mentoring, connecting the the 18-year-olds, even with the 30-year-olds. When I did in Sunday school when they were little, I had little girls with the teenagers. And the little girls, you know, I put uh, prayer partners, a secret pal, okay. okay, for about three months. The younger girls with, a, with an older girl. And I talked to each, both of them individually and put a burden the little one on praying for the older one for God to direct her for making good choices and later on for a husband and the older ones to the little ones in their walk with God also with 18 year olds to 30 year olds you know they need to connect they need to develop mentorship right now like I was saying there's a lot of young people that have no clue as to what they want to do in life yeah. but we have 30 year old professionals that could come and mentor them. I wanted to do a small group but because my eyes and my legs aren't helping me much. I wanted to do a small group where we have, especially in Beerland, we have a lot of professional men that I feel, and women, that I feel if I would have them have a small group of, of maybe uh, 18 to 25-year-olds, you know, that these Professionals can come and mentor them. And, okay, you want to go in accounting? Okay, bring this accountant. Hey, what worked for you? What didn't work for you? What trials did you go through? La da da. But not have him just talk and talk and talk, but have something, a uh, uh, kind of laid back environment, have a little bit of food, la da da, and have where they connect. Yeah. And I wasn't able to do it, but God heard my cry. So, Brother Tristan, took CJ, CJ, my grandson's going into accounting. He's uh, He started going to Clear Lake U of H in accounting. 
So Brother Tristan just gave CJ uh, some help. He's teaching them how to do accounting work. Okay. So Brother Tristan, who's an accountant, has taken CJ under his wing, and CJ's loving it. So I said, Lord, you knew what I wanted for my grandson, but not only for him, I wanted it for other young people. Yeah. You know, there's young people graduating, haven't even filled out financial aid, have no clue, have not applied. I want to go to, I want to go to U of H. Well, they haven't even applied. I want to go to Lone Star. They haven't even applied. And we're late already. Yeah. So our young people right now need that. And I think if we could find ways where they can connect, even in our churches, learn to have, you know, uh, events where, you know, pair them up. Take them out fishing at times. Yeah, I love that. I you know, that, that, that's that such places a, where they connect. Yeah. I remember seeing a, a little cartoon character on a magazine, uh, a group uh, for youth. And uh, the first little uh, caption, there was a guy uh, walking with a pastor. There was two pastors, two ministers walking, and they passed by the office of the youth minister. And the youth minister is on a computer and, and the guy's telling the pastor, wow, he's dedicated. Wow, he's amazing. You've got a good, good man. So then the next little caption goes that they're playing basketball outside a, a young man and, and the youth minister. And the, the same couple, the same people, the guy tells us, man, this, you know, these new young ministers, they just want to be playing basketball. But they don't know that the minister was playing on this little boy's turf, yeah. connecting, yeah. doing what he likes, talking. Whereas the other guy in the computer, he was playing board, I mean, computer games. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's tremendous. That, that's such a powerful method of connecting and bridging that gap and stepping into their world and not just expecting them to come into ours, right? And just exactly. stepping them and going to find them and, and getting them to come out because right now, like you mentioned, it's definitely the world for an introvert and yes. we can stay stuck in, in a comfortable place. And, yes. um, you know, that's one thing that I wanted to ask you, you know, we do very, very well with the spiritual aspect of our life is the more practical side of things like how to engage in career, how to decide what we want to study or how to decide, you know, where, where, you know, talking about, you know, marriage or talking about, you know, career and things like that. Do, is that an area that we need to maybe focus on a little more these days? Oh, definitely big time, big, big time. I am so, I want to see our young people. Some people you know, feel, you know, why, why, I want to go to ministry. I don't want to go to college. I don't want to, you can be, do way better with a degree in accounting, a degree in nursing, and a degree in construct, in engineering. When you go to China, when you go to the, all these other countries, you can bring more knowledge into helping them out. Yeah. Whereas, you know, a lot of times, you know, and, and our, our ministry needs to step up and, and also in, in getting equipped in, in training in, in, their, in their personal lives as well. Right. Because you're bringing, okay, you're going to be a pastor and you're having these young men that are coming up as professionals and they expect a little bit more 
then just we need to get out of the same old little coritos. Right. You know, Brother Gurley did a survey and he surveyed the whole church. And they and, and the outcome was that our church was 85, I believe, a percent like in their it was a young church in their in their 25, I think, mm. was the, the majority. Okay. So we we can't be singing the old coritos, the old hymns. I'm not saying don't do it, but you know, we need to bring on you know, where the our young people our older ones are are, you know, are more worship more songs that relate that can bring them to a yeah. place where they want to be. Right. You know, and I love my coritos. I'm 65, okay? Yeah. But I understand. I'm very open-minded. Yeah. And we need to I'm not saying we're not changing the the we're not changing the doctrine. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Right. But we need to change some of our methods. Sister P, some of speaking of changes, um something that comes to mind is you've you've seen a lot of different types of changes over the years through um, through your experiences. And this is something I wanted to ask you before we close off. And, um, you know, you can tell me whatever was on your mind and on your heart, but seeing so many different changes, you know, there's some for the good. There's some that, well, you know, maybe questionable or arguable, but what is something that has changed that you would like to have back? Uh, the altar calls. The closings in the yeah. service. Sometimes, you know, we preach too long. Sometimes the worship takes too long. The the proto, uh, preliminaries take too long. The announcements take too long. The ofrendas, the praying for the ofrendas take too long. Yeah. The one that's there to preach is the preacher. He's coming with the word. The min- music ministry needs to prepare the way for the word once the the preparation has been made the atmosphere is ready for the word don't come in and bring another announcement you kill it give the platform to the pastor yeah let him preach and then the altar call you know the time teaching our children teaching our youth to come to the altar that's where a lot of times I see when we go places, they don't know how to come. They don't know how to reach an altar. And like I said, everybody's going to the altar and we leave the saints in the in the seat. I mean, we leave the souls in the pews. Mm-hmm. We went to Orange, Texas two weekends ago to do a kid's church. And the church was going through, uh, you know, a little situation. We didn't have that many local kids. The majority of the children that came for that kids event were souls. The parents that brought the kids were more than the people that were there. But when I taught the kids, I brought the message and also adapted it to the grown-ups. Then our altar call, the kids got touched. We had one kid get the Holy Ghost, and then we had some parents and some visitors touched. And that's very important. But I noticed they didn't know how to come to the altar. They didn't know what to say. Mm. And that's where we need to also do altar work training. 
You know, if the churches would take two, three times a year where they just maybe on a Wednesday night, you know, on a Bible study, altar work training. Because sometimes they don't know how to pray with children and children are the easiest ones to pray with. You tell them it's black and it's red and they believe it. Kids can get the Holy Ghost in no time. But people don't know. They don't know. When we were in Puerto Rico, we had a, a young man from the university came and did, was doing a his uh, research or his thesis on children getting the Holy Ghost. He was not converted. He was not a believer. But when he saw the power of God and how many children got the Holy Ghost, that guy was crying at the altar. Wow. And he wrote a documentary for his university and took pictures of the children getting the Holy Ghost. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. There's so many, so many things that I would want to talk to you about, and I can do this all day. Um, and I think <laughs> we can be here all day, Brother Jay. <laughs> we can, we're definitely going to have to do a part two, but I want to be respectful of your time. And I know that um, you have so much more wisdom and so much more experience to share with us. But for now, what is your favorite music right now? What are some, what are some, maybe some songs that you lean towards the most right now these days? Uh, my song, my anthem song. Well, I have two right, two right now. Uh, my first anthem song came two years ago when I retired. Uh, I started having problems with my eyes. I had cataracts, and I had a toe, uh, my right toe, that I had a ingrown toenail that I didn't realize, and it got infected. Vicky was coming from New York, and I picked her up at the airport. When she saw me, she said, mom, I'm taking you to the hospital. You look horrible. And when I got to the hospital, by the glory of God, God's mercy, they were almost at the verge of amputating my toe. Wow. But I would have to be hospitalized six weeks with uh, with the um, uh, IV that was placed under in one of my arteries by my left arm. And I was had to be hospitalized six weeks. And, oh, I thought I was going to go crazy. But um, it's Psalms 34 by Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. While I was in that hospital those six weeks, I thought I was going to go crazy. But I realized God took me there. And I said, oh, I'm going to go pray for all the sick since I'm here. But no, God had me there to pray for the nurses and the doctors that in those six weeks I learned some doctors were going through issues while I testified to them. And some nurses that had, you know, gone through uh, child abuse, they were going through all kinds of stuff. And it was amazing how each, you know, how many people I was able to impact while I was there. So that was one of them. And the one that is now my anthem song, and you're going to laugh, because during the pandemic, uh, I live in a mobile home. I, my area is a ghetto area. There's dogs running everywhere. So I haven't been able to do much walking. So my legs started getting very weak. So I went to the doctor and she took me to aqua therapy. And so Vicky and I are going walking and doing aqua therapy. So when I go do walking, uh, I have a song by Israel Houghton called uh, Free Indeed. And that song pumps me up. Mm. So that's my walking song. That's my anthem song for getting, I'm going to be rocky. <laughs> One day I'm going to run up to that tall stair and I'm yeah. going to 
pick up my trophy. And because uh, God has not finished with us yet. Absolutely. That day that I went to the hospital, uh, that I was hospitalized six weeks, it was funny. It was like the second day. I couldn't even know my name. I was so out of it. I had a call and Vicky goes, Mom, it's sister so-and-so. And I thought, oh, she's going to tell me she's praying for me. It was a sister from uh, Louisiana. She goes, Sister Pacheco, we're calling you because we need you to do the kids camp uh, this summer. And I'm like, Sister, I'm in the hospital right now. They might amputate my toe. And she goes, oh, no, no. So right now we're going to Memphis on the 20th of June. And then we're going to Nashville in August to do another kids church. So right now I have, um, like Rocky, I um, I got to go get the gold. So I am working out right now, brother. Yeah, I'm working out right now because God is not finished with me yet. My goodness. I admire <laughs> your energy, your enthusiasm, and you still got it, Sister P. You still got it. Yeah. You're still the same Sister P that I remember. And um, I, I just let love me, your let testimony. Let me tell you what, one, sure. one phrase, last phrase yeah. that I go by. Brother Kilgore, you know, he pastored our church before he passed away. And uh, I worked directly with him. And one day uh, he was preaching and and then at the end he comes and tells me, sister, it's not time to retire. It's time to refire. So every time I think about retiring, I said, no, I need to refire. Mm -hmm. And then yesterday, actually right now, it's funny. I'm wearing the T-shirt, the kids in school, who was, I was the hater. I'm wearing a T-shirt the kids gave me. It says, this legend is retired. (laughs) They gave me that T-shirt the last day of school when I walked out of that campus that I worked 27 years. But they gave me, and it to me was so meaningful. Because it says, this legend is retired. And I go, they didn't write, this hater is retired. Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) We're going to have to get you a shirt that says where it X is out retired and it says this legend is refired. Right. We're going to have to do one of those. Hey, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Sister P, what is maybe a book or a helpful resource that you can share with us that has been a blessing to your life? Okay. Um, the one that I, well, I have three, of course, the word of God. And right now I'm, I have to go by audio because I can't really see that well. So I'm reading my Bible every day, listening to my Bible. But another book that has really helped me impact kids and young people is the book, This Means War. And it was written by the the, the producer that, that made that movie, uh, The War Room or or it was a movie that that was hitting the the nation and uh, talking about prayer. Uh, I start. I wanted to teach children and young people how to pray because that's one thing. Kids and children and young people don't pray because they don't know how. They haven't been taught how to pray because prayer is not just like uh, saying vain things. You gotta bring it on. You gotta go out of the box and bring in ways and ideas of teaching young people how to pray. So I bought that book. It's a devotional. But what I did is I started working in, in with uh, the young teens. And uh, I had only, they were giving me like three or four months to teach this material. And it was so long. So what I did is I grabbed the kids and I gave each one a chapter. to, And then I had two or three of them teach 15 minutes. And, and they, they could bring in uh, a video, they can bring music, they can bring object lesson. 
I empowered them to, in their creativity to co-teach, and it went phenomenal. Wow. The pastor was so blown away mm. by the uh, the outcome of of what that was happening. Kids were bringing their Bibles. They were. It was just amazing. And the same thing I started in Baytown with children. I started teaching that last last year, or the first year we were there. This is going to be. Our third year, uh, the first year I was there, I did the last three months, October, November, December, and I taught. And it's it's really amazing because it's kind of like army style, you know. And uh, we the, we had two children get the Holy Ghost, and they had never seen kids get the Holy Ghost in the classroom. So that book is, I I tell everybody, I've shared that with everybody. You've got to, you can bring in your you can design your own curriculum through that book. Wow, that's amazing! Yeah, thank yeah. you for sharing so, and, that. And running with, uh, mm-hmm. running with the giant. Running with the giant, it's absolutely. A small book. You need to buy it. You need to give it to your kids. Mm. I'm gonna have to go look for those myself because my wife is really yes. big in, in kids ministry right now, and we've you know been doing a lot of transitioning right now. But um, raising she's still modern day nights, brother Jay. Okay. Raising modern day nights. I read this book years ago. Okay. But, you know, a lot of times, like during this time, there's parents, they want to give a kid a car. I'm going to take them on a trip. This gentleman prepared a dinner at a restaurant with three key men of God to come speak to his graduating son at a dinner. And they gave him a, a, a what's it called? A shield with the, the little, with the boy's last name and a uh, character uh traits that the little boy uh should uh encounter or desire i thought to myself that is amazing yeah. raising a modern day night wow that's good we're gonna have that to look for those you for, your, for your boys thank you so much thank you so much i'm definitely <laughs> gonna look, look for that today what's the best way people can connect with you on social media these days oh facebook yeah. i'm on facebook and instagram and believe you me, my grandkids say, Grandma, don't take pictures because you put everything on, on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw that you just recently celebrated Mother's Day, like all the mothers did across the nation. And yes. you, you look amazing. Your family looks amazing. Thank you. you have a beautiful Thank family. You. And before we, we close out, Sister P, I want to give you the space to to kind of share whatever is on your heart for either the generation, for the church, um, for different ministries, leadership, whatever's on your heart. Go ahead and close us out with that. What I want children and young people to know is to learn to have a relationship with God. That relationship with God is going to make your walk with God a victorious one. Young people, children, even adults, we see man and man can fail you, but God will never fail you. I would have left the Lord years ago, 35 years ago, I've been on my own. But my my secret has always been to have my eyes set on God and building a relationship and teaching my children how to have a relationship with God. And I'm glad to say that my kids and my, my grandkids sometimes say, Grandma, you know, you're easy enough, Grandma. And they're, they're steadfast. They're steadfast. But they, Vicky says, Grandma, you know, Mom, that sleeve is a little bit too short. Okay, Vicky. Now that's my daughter telling me. <laughs> so we need to, we need to uh, have that relationship. Because when you love God, 
it doesn't bother you what you can wear, what you cannot wear, what you know, where you can go, where you can't go. Because you love God, you want to please him. So relationship and relationship with others. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sister P. Thank you for being transparent. Thank you for sharing everything that you have. And just so you know, you have been a faith pillar um, for my life. And even though we've gone so many years with, with, with maybe lost connection there, but the, the impact that you've had in my life has been very, very significant. Yes. I see young people like you. I've never, never, never in my thought ever thought that you, Oh, he doesn't care for me. He doesn't know you have a ministry. You have things to do. I love that. And and that just, I see Carla Cavazos who worked with us now, and she's a beautiful mom. Not that she forgot about me. I know that because I know I left something in each heart. So don't you ever feel that way. I'm yeah. here for you. When I see pictures of you and your beautiful mom, your children, I rejoice. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sister yes. P, for always being there yes, and, and for leaving such a strong, strong imprint that we're going to remember for so, so long. Thank and uh, thank you for being on this podcast with me. Yes, sir. God bless you. It was a privilege and an honor. Thank you for being part of our conversation today. I will leave some links in the description below where you can connect with Sister Lucy Pacheco. So don't forget to check that out. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I would love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out on a single thing. Also, you could help us reach others by leaving a good rating. Feel free to leave a review or share it on social media. That would mean so much to me. In the meantime, I would love to connect with you. In the description below, you will find some links and let me know how this was helpful to you. You can also visit the blog page where you can find more helpful content like this, inspired2inspired.org. That's inspired, the number two, inspired.org. For now, continue moving forward in the direction God is leading you. Continue taking steps closer and becoming who God has intended you to be so you can be impactful in every area of your life. God bless, and we'll see you on the next one.